Amen. Thank you for that. Wow, good crowd tonight. I sit close enough. I didn't know who all was here. This is wonderful. I appreciate you coming. You had to come on purpose tonight. You know, you, you come on Sunday because that's what people who love the Lord do. But Monday, we hardly ever go to church, and yet here you are. That's an encouragement to me, but honestly, uh, whether you come or not, I'm still going to be happy, but it's an encouragement to your pastor when you're faithful, and so I appreciate that very, very much. Let me encourage you to plan to be here tomorrow night. I'm not positive what I'm preaching, but I'm pretty sure it'll be a lot better than tonight. <laughs> so if you had to choose between Monday and Tuesday, Tuesday is definitely the night that you want to come to the revival meeting. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. You know, sometimes our thinking gets a little bit out of what reality ought to be. You know, at work, somebody gets a promotion and we feel slighted because we think, I deserve that promotion. Or uh, somebody, something happens and uh, we, we're passed over and we're thinking, you know, I, I, I don't deserve this. Well, I want to preach to you tonight about the things that we deserve, and hopefully it'll bring a whole brand new perspective to the way that we think. Ephesians 2, stand with me please, and we'll begin reading in the very first verse. This is the Apostle Paul writing under inspiration to the church. These are saved people, and he's reminding them of what God has done for them. He says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now the word quicken means made alive. It doesn't mean made faster, because the older you get, you've not been quickened, you've been slowened. <laughs> but he's saying to these folks, he says, you were dead, but now you're alive. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Think about that for a minute. He says, by nature, the way that we were born, we are naturally the children of wrath. I'll come back to this in a little bit. But that's a, a, a wonderful truth to grab a hold of, even as others. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you're saved. And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this passage. 
I pray you'd help me as I preach. Lord, I pray it'd be easy to understand, and I pray that you would make the application, dear God, to where we, we recognize what a wonderful God we serve. Bless the preaching, and then I ask you to please bless the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Uh, he, he begins by reminding them of their present condition. He says, you were dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible's very clear that before a person gets saved, they are spiritually dead. And so Paul says, you were dead in trespasses and sins, but now, because of Jesus Christ, because of what he did for us, you're made alive. By the way, church, if you're saved, you're alive. Yeah, it's Monday night. You had a hard day. It's been a long weekend. It's a little rainy outside. But I'm going to remind you, you're alive. And a lot of times, living people say amen. Amen. Yeah, you are alive. And so, uh, Paul Paul tells them why they were saved. Down in verse 10, he says, you're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He says, God didn't save you to occupy a pew. God didn't save you just so that you might have that uh, conscience soothed and the guilt removed and that assurance you're going to heaven. No, no, no. He says, God saved you for good works. Well, I could preach a whole sermon on that, but, but let me just ask you to take a little inventory of your life. Good work. Things that matter, that last for all eternity. How are you doing on that this week? How would you do last week or last month? Yeah, God saved us for good works. Then he goes on and he reminds them of what God saved them out of. Uh, verse 2, verse 1 says we were dead. Verse 2 says that, that we were disobedient. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, simply means before you got saved, now that you're saved, you're a child of God. Before you got saved, you're a child of the devil. And the whole spirit of disobedience is what controlled us. And then in verse 3, he says uh, uh, that among whom we also had our conversation in times past, and the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. He's talking about how wicked we were, how, how our choices were always wrong. And then he says, we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see, the Bible is very clear. There are only two, pers- two, two places a person can go when he or she dies. If you're saved, you're on your way to heaven. If you're saved, you have eternal life. If you're saved, if your sins have been forgiven, you have that blessed assurance that no matter what happens, I'm going to be with God forever and ever. If you're not saved, when you die, you go to hell. Now, hell's not a real popular subject, uh, but I guess that's because people would prefer uh, that it didn't exist because if there really is a hell, then that means you got to do something 
to avoid going there. And that's what salvation is all about. But according to the Bible, until I got saved, I was on my way to hell. Before you got saved, you were on your way to hell. And by the way, the picture that uh, Scripture paints of hell, it's a horrible place. It's a place of suffering and torment. You say, I just don't believe God would send a person to hell. Uh, God doesn't. You choose to go there yourself. God has provided a way of salvation so that anybody and everybody can get saved. The Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that verse, even the little children know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God has provided salvation and if you don't accept it, you're on your way to hell because we are all born with a sinful nature. You don't have to teach children to be selfish. You have to teach them to share. You don't have to teach children to tell lies. You have to teach them to be honest. Years ago, I came home and the house is filled with a wonderful aroma. Karen is baking chocolate chip cookies. By the way, ladies, nothing to do with the sermon, but you're wasting your money with that expensive perfume. You take a chocolate chip, rub it behind each ear. That's a smell that drives a man crazy. Amen, guys? Amen. Yeah. Well, so, man, I made a beeline for the kitchen, and here she is taking these, these cookies off the cookie sheet and letting them cool. And I walked in, I said, what a wonderful wife I have. And I grabbed a cookie, and mm, mm, it was so good. I grabbed another one. I started eating, and all of a sudden, I feel a pair of eyeballs. I look down, there's our son. He's probably two and a half, three years old. He says, Daddy, cookie? I said, oh, bud, I didn't know you were there, man. <laughs> it's too close to supper. I can't give you a cookie. If you, if, you, if you eat one, you won't eat supper. Mom will be mad at me. He goes, Dad. I said, no, i tell you what, I won't eat anymore. And, and in fact, I got a plate, and I put a whole bunch on the plate. I said, after supper, you and me, we'll eat all these. And he said, Dad, please. <laughs> no, we'll eat the cookies later. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. So I went in the other room to take off my tie and get comfortable. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm noticing that back toward the kitchen, it's very, very quiet. <laughs> That's not always good. So I, I, I come back to the kitchen, and here's the little guy. He's got chocolate all over his face. His hands are messy, crumbs down the front of his shirt. I'm upset. I said, Jeremiah, I told you not to have a cookie. I didn't. Son, I see it on your hands, I see it on your face, I see it on your shirt. Now you tell Daddy the truth. Did you have a cookie? No. <laughs> Where do they get that? They're born with a sinful nature. But you know what I've learned? It's not just little kids that struggle with sin. It's you and you and you and you and me. We're all sinners, and if our sins are not forgiven, we're on our way to hell. We are by nature the children of wrath. The wonderful news is God doesn't want us to go to hell. Look at verse 4. It says, but 
But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. We ought to go to hell. In fact, if we got what we deserved, we would go to hell. But God is rich in mercy. Mercy means not getting what you deserve. Years ago, I was preaching a revival meeting. The pastor said, uh, uh, I'd, I'd like to play golf with you tomorrow. Well, I'm just here to be a blessing to the pastors. I said, okay. And uh, he said, well, the golf course is closer to your hotel than it is to the church, so why don't I just meet you at the golf course? He gave me the, the uh, address, and I put it in my phone, and I'm driving to the golf course. Had to go on the interstate and then get on a side road. And I'm driving on the side road, and I'm running a little late, and I'm looking for a speed limit sign, and there's no speed limit sign. And I thought, you know, I've been driving for a long time. I'm pretty sure this is probably a 50 mile an hour road. So I'm driving 50 miles an hour. I'm almost to the golf course. And in a side road, I pass a side road, there's a policeman sitting there. And he pulls out. And he turns his lights on. And my first thought was, it must not be 50 miles an hour. <laughs> well, by now I'm at the golf course, so I pulled in. He pulled in behind me, and he gets out of his car, and he walks up. And, of course, I roll the window down. And he says, uh, do you know why I stopped you? And I said, yes, sir, because this is not a 50-mile-an-hour speed zone. He said, excuse me? I said, I thought it was 50. I didn't see a sign, but obviously it's not 50. You and I wouldn't be having this conversation. He said, no, it's 25. Oh, I said, so you probably want to see my license, registration, and proof of insurance. He said, you've done this before. <laughs> so I got my paperwork, and I gave it to him, and he started back to his car, and he stopped and turned around with a big grin on his face, and he says, you really thought it was 50, didn't you? And I said, yes, sir. He goes, it's not. <laughs> and, 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 and he went back to his car and did whatever it is they do in their car, and he came back, and he said, you know, Nobody would make up a story like that if it wasn't true. I really believe you thought it was 50. He said, if you'll keep it under 25, I'll let you go with just a warning. Now listen, if you're driving 50 miles an hour in a 25-mile-an-hour zone and you get pulled over and you don't get a ticket, that's mercy. Not getting what you deserve. According to the Bible, if I got what I deserved, I would be in hell right now. If you got what you deserved, you'd be in hell right now. But God is rich in mercy. Amen. Praise God for that. But not just mercy. Look at, look at the next phrase. Not only is He rich in mercy, verse 4, for His great love wherewith He loved us. What a wonderful thought. God loves every one of us. When I was in the second grade, we would get a drink before we went out for recess, and so I'm in line at the drinking fountain, and right in front of me is Tina Williams, and she turns around to me, and she says, we're getting married. I said, you and me? She said, yes. I said, why? She says, because I love you. <laughs> I thought, this is great. 
I'm only seven years old and I'm already engaged. I don't, I don't have to mess with this dating, courtship, betrothal. Man, I'm sad. So I went home. I said, hey, Mom, guess what? I'm getting married. And my mom said, oh, good. When? Well, I'm not sure. Let me ask her tomorrow and I'll let you know. So I'm in line at the drinking fountain. I hadn't seen her yet. Uh, there's a boy in our class named Bobby Williams. Same last name. They weren't related. But she'd been thinking, if she marries me, she have to change her name. If she marries Bobby, she can be Tina Williams forever. And so I, I, I'm all excited about this good news. And I say, hey, Tina, my, my mom wants to know when we're getting married. And she said, we're not. <laughs> Why? She said, I don't love you no more. <laughs> it's all right. I'm over it. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, that was a long, long time ago, but I still remember how horrible it felt for her to say, I don't love you anymore. You know, you will never hear that from God. The Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah, the Lord said to his rebellious people, Behold, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. If you serve God, he loves you. If you rebel, he loves you. If you get saved, he loves you. If you reject him and die and go to hell, he still loves you. He has loved us with great love. You realize we ought to be in hell. If we got what we deserve, we would be in hell right now. But he's rich in mercy. And he has great love. And verse 5 says that he saved us by his grace. Grace means getting what you don't deserve. I don't deserve to be saved, but I'm on my way to heaven. I don't deserve the blessings that God pours on me every day. But, but I receive them and I'm thankful for them. God is a wonderful God. I won't spend time on verses 6 and 7, but I want you to know in verse 8 he reminds us again about salvation, that salvation is none of us but all of God. He says, for by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And what I want to impress on you tonight, every one of us, if we got what we deserved, it's not that someday we would die and go to hell, but if we got what we deserved, we would be in hell right now. But God's rich in mercy. He's loved us with great love. He saved us by His grace. If I got what I deserve, I would be in hell. If you got what you deserve, you would be in hell. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Okay, then let me, let, let, let me illustrate a few things. Then That means every good thing that has ever happened in my life is better than I deserve. Every blessing I have ever had is better than I deserve. Every bowl of ice cream 
is more than I deserve. I love chocolate chip cookies. I, I, I'm convinced in, in uh, I've done quite a bit of research in the Hebrew language, and when God dropped the manna down, that was chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> well, I was preaching one time years ago when I was pastoring in Missouri, and I mentioned I love chocolate chip cookies. The next week, a lady brought me a Tupperware thing of chocolate chip cookies. And I thought, wow, it pays to advertise. <laughs> I thanked her for it, wrote her a note, told her it was a blessing. The next week, she brought me another Tupperware container of chocolate chip cookies. And the next week, and the next week, and every single week for 11 years. <laughs> She brought chocolate chip cookies. I figured it out. In my lifetime, I have eaten 15,782 chocolate chip cookies. I never had a bad one. Now, some are better than others. I've never had a bad one. But I want to tell you this. Every cookie that I ever had is more than I deserve. Because if I got what I deserve, I'd be in hell right now. I don't deserve to be saved. But for some reason, God loved me. Sent his son to die on the cross for me. And when I was a teenager, I got to hear the gospel. And the Holy Spirit convicted my heart. And I responded at invitation. And the preacher opened the Bible. You know, I don't deserve to be born in a country where you can have a Bible. I ought to be in hell. I don't deserve somebody to care enough to invite me to camp. I ought to be in hell. I don't deserve to get saved. But I got saved. I'm going to try that again. I got saved. Yeah. And mostly so did you. I don't deserve that. Apart from my salvation... The greatest blessing of my life has been my wife. I didn't deserve her. We only had four dates. I didn't want her to get to know me. <laughs> she lived in Joliet, Illinois. I lived in Saginaw, Michigan. So we had a lot of phone calls and a lot of letters, but only four dates. And I asked her, I said, I, I, I would like you to marry me and spend your life with me. I said, I, I, I can't tell you where we'll go. I can't tell you what we'll do. I said, I've, I've given my life to God. And so if he wants us in Africa, we're going to Africa. If he wants us in Alaska, we're going to Alaska. And she said, I want to spend my life with you, serving God. Man, I don't deserve that. When we first got married, we lived in Michigan. And then we moved to Missouri. And then I was convinced God wanted us in evangelism. And so I asked her to give up her home give up her church, been there for 15 years, give up her friends, 
and spend the rest of our lives, as far as we knew, living in motels or hotels or whatever somebody decided to lodge us in for the week. We never had a trailer, never had uh, an RV. We just decided that we'd serve God and wherever he put us, that's where we'd be. We stayed in some wonderful places, but man, did we stay in some horrible places. I remember one sunny afternoon, we pulled into the church parking lot. It's August, it's about 90 degrees. And I met the pastor at the church, and I said, where, where, where are we going to be staying? And he pointed to the back of the parking lot, and he says, well, we've got a family in our church, they've loaned us this pop-up camper for you. And I said, has it got air conditioning? He goes, well, no, but you can unzip, unzip the window. You'll probably get a breeze. I said, has it got a bathroom? He goes, no, but I'll give you a key to the church, and you can use the bathroom in the church. I said, you got a shower in the church? He said, no, but it's only a week. You'll be all right. <laughs> I wanted to beat the guy up. Karen didn't complain. We went to a uh, hotel in Cincinnati. The pastor put us in a hotel. It was a Saturday afternoon or evening, and so college football was on, and so I was doing what any man of God would do. I was watching football. Amen. And Karen comes over. She's got a, a little jar and she says, you know what kind of bug this is? I said, uh, I know a lot of things, but I'm not good at bugology. She said, I think it's a bed bug. And she got on the internet, and sure enough, it was a bed bug. And so we went down to the desk, or she went down to the desk. It wasn't halftime yet. She went down to the desk and told, told the told the person, and of course they were horrified. They, they, they moved us. And Karen spent the rest of that night with uh, rubbing alcohol, cleaning off every surface on our suitcases and bags, went down to the laundry at the hotel and put everything in the dryer because they say that heat kills the bed bugs. All week long I would go, oh, there's one, there's one. There wasn't, but. <laughs> she never complained. I did. I griped a lot. But she never complained. For 12 years, we were in a different church, 47 or 48 weeks out of the year. And oftentimes, she had to hear the same sermons week after week after week after week after. You know, you, you kind of like them the first time, hopefully. Imagine if you heard the same thing 20 times or 48 times. She just sat there like it was the very first time. Sometimes she'd say, you did better last week. <laughs> My point is, I don't deserve a wife like that. 
If I got what I deserved, I'd be in hell right now. We wanted a large family, but God only gave us one son. He got saved when he was a little boy. Surrendered to do whatever God would have him to do. Went to college, not positive what he should do. and Got on a traveling team that went around. He was pretty good at music. And he called me and he says, Dad, you know, churches need good music. I think maybe God would have me to do that. Would that be okay? Yeah. That'd be great. Graduated college, married a wonderful girl. God gave them two little boys, and now they're on staff at our church. He's leading the music. It's such a blessing to serve God with your family. You know, I know, I know lots of good folks that did the very best they could to raise their children, and their children made choices that have broken their parents' heart, but we never had a bit of problem. I, I don't deserve a family like that. If, if I got, I, I want you to get this. If I got what I deserved, I'd be in hell. God has been so good to me. So good. And if we had time for you to stop and count your blessings, you'd have to say the same thing I'm saying. God has been so good to me. And so I want you to understand that. Every good thing that has ever happened in your life is better than you deserve. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Okay, now let's flip the coin over. Every bad thing that has ever happened to you, no matter how horrible, no matter how traumatic, no matter how heartbreaking, every bad thing that has ever happened to you is better than you deserve. Because... If you got what you deserved, you'd be in hell right now. If we were to get a phone call tonight, and they said your, your house burned down and all of your possessions are gone, that'd be horrible. It would, it, it would change our life but it's still more than I deserve. I ought to be in hell. If our son and his family were to perish in an accident, and we got word that all of them had died, I can't imagine the heartbreak. I can't imagine the devastation. But if that happened, that would still be better than going to hell. And so the, the most horrible thing that could ever happen is better than I deserve. I don't know if you noticed or not, I love to preach. I, I, I just thank God that he lets me preach. I, I especially like to preach. I would rather preach than listen to somebody else preach. I just, I just like my preaching. <laughs> but if I were to lose my voice, and I, 
went to the doctor and he said, there's something wrong with your vocal cords and you'll never speak again. Man, I would be devastated. I'd feel horrible. I said, Karen, you know the messages, you preach them. But if I could never preach again, that's still so much better than what I deserve. Some of you have lost dear loved ones. Some of you have gone through some horrible tragedies. Some of you have had things happen to you that are unthinkable, but I want you to remember this. It's still better than going to hell. Well, you don't understand, preacher. I just... I just, I just don't feel good. People in hell feel bad every second of every day for all eternity. Whatever you have, whatever you've been through, whatever has taken place in your life is still better than you deserve. Because if we got what we deserve, we would be in hell right now. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Okay then, stop complaining. Stop complaining, because whatever it is that you're griping about is a lot better than going to hell. Whatever it is that's bothering you is much better than being in hell forever and ever. Well, my boss just doesn't treat me right. No, but he sure beats going to hell. Well, I haven't felt good since 1982. Yeah, but you'll be in heaven someday and you'll feel great. It's a lot better than going to hell. If we would get a hold of this fact that no matter what happens, it's better than we deserve. Everybody's always clamoring for their rights. This ethnic group and this gender and this who knows. I want my rights. Not me, buddy. If I got my rights, I'd be in hell right now. And if you got yours, you'd be in hell right now. But God is rich in mercy. And he loved us with his great love. And he saved us by his grace. And so everything that happens in your life and mine is so much better than we deserve. So, number one, let's stop complaining. And number two, let's start being thankful. Let's just, you know, Thanksgiving, we're great at counting our blessings. But let's just pause and remember how wonderful God has been for to us. Oh, I got a pulled muscle in my leg. Well, thank God I'm not in hell. Thank you, Lord, for this muscle. Doesn't bother me that much anymore. Brother Dave Hardy made this statement one time, and it just resonated with me. He said, what if God took away from you tonight at midnight everything that you've not thanked him for, what would you have left? If God took away everything and everybody that you've not thanked him for, what would you have left? Folks, we are so blessed. We, we, we're, we're so blessed that we're spoiled. Spoiled to the point that we expect to be blessed. And if something doesn't go just right, we feel persecuted or like life is just completely unfair to us. 
Well, I don't know about you, but I'm awfully glad it's not fair, because if it was fair, I'd be in hell. And so would you. So let's decide. This complaining, griping, murmuring, moaning, and groaning, I'm done with it. Because whatever I'm going through, it sure beats going to hell. And then let's get thankful. Let's just do our very best to figure out how good God has been to us and thank Him for it. Not just the good things, but even the bad things, because as bad as they are, it still beats going to hell. It's still better than being in hell forever. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight that I don't ever have to worry about going to hell. I thank you, Lord, that not because of me, not because of anything that I've done, but because of your mercy and your love and your grace. If I died right now, I know I'd go to heaven. I know I'll be with you forever. I know that any hardship or battle or burden is going to be gone forever. God, I know that anything I go through in this life, it sure beats going to hell. So I pray that you bless this invitation. Lord, we don't mean to be unthankful. We don't mean to complain. But when we put it in perspective like this, it sure does make a difference because, Lord, every one of us would be in hell forever and ever if it wasn't for you. So help us realize that and rejoice in the fact that we're not going there. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. I wonder if maybe there's somebody tonight. You say, preacher, I don't know if I'm saved. I'm not positive I'm going to heaven. I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me if that's you? I won't embarrass you, but would you raise your hand? I'll see it. I'm just not sure, okay? I saw one hand, anybody else? Just not positive I'm going to heaven. And I'd like to know for sure. Anybody else? Hold it up high. I'll see it. All right, in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'll pray for you. I won't call you out or embarrass you, but I'll pray that God will give you the courage to come and let Pastor know so that we can get somebody to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure, because nobody wants to go to hell. Nobody does. For those of you who are saved, I wonder how many tonight will say, Brother Hal, I, I am very, very thankful that I'm saved. I'm grateful that I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm glad that I'm not getting what I deserve. But as you were preaching tonight, boy, God convicted my heart because I do complain. And I do find myself griping and murmuring. Honestly, I'm not as thankful as I ought to be and probably exaggerate my problems because whatever they are, they're not as bad as going to hell. The Lord spoke to my heart tonight. I want you to pray for me. Pray that I would be thankful. Pray that I wouldn't be a complainer. I needed that message tonight. The Lord spoke to my heart. If you let me pray for you, raise your hand. Hold it up high. Yeah, yeah, many, many, many of us. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Let's stand, please.